a few dramatic fans talking Penn State football. This is the Nittany Pod. What is going on, Nittany Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Nittany Pod. It is Wednesday, October 25th. I am AP. Pleased to have my guys Alex and TK along with me again today. On Saturday, Penn State took a rough, rough 20-12 to 12 loss at the hands of Ohio State once again. Um, and the game, honestly, wasn't even as close as what that score was. We really should have gotten blown out. Um, but it's been a couple days since that game. There's been plenty of time to, you know, let your feelings come back to you a little bit. Relax. Um, how are we feeling right now, guys? Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably a good thing that we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's not, definitely not a good on, thing. Not on Sunday, Monday, or yesterday, Tuesday. Because uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, thoughts going on. Definitely still have some of those thoughts. Um, but yeah, definitely glad that we've reached midweek and the sun continues to rise. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was going to that Sunday morning. So, um, yeah, things are good and <laughs> ready to get into it for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just, um, as our, as our good friend likes to say, it is a, uh, another wasted Saturday. <laughs> in the James Franklin era and um yeah just 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 for how it how it felt like it it could have went um a winnable game um you know I'll disagree with what Aaron said in the opening I don't think we should have gotten blown out because our I think our defense played well enough to not get blown out well I'll say this um, there but, were plenty of – if Kyle McCord was a better quarterback. Yeah, there were some missed throws, but, I mean – It would have gotten bad, man. We could, we could also say if Penn State had a competent offense, it could have gotten bad for them too, right? So, you know, like that's yeah. – you know, We could also – I, you know, I don't want to take away from our what our defense did because, overall, I thought our defense played well and deserved yeah. better. Yeah, also, no disrespect like, you know, in any way. When you punt the ball on your own, you know, 38, you know, with seven minutes left, I mean – yeah, you know, that's not. <laughs> Holy shit! Not really I mean, understanding why you went for it there, but uh... yeah, definitely a lot of questionable calls throughout the game, and we'll we'll absolutely get into that. You could tell right away how this game was going to go from the first drive. I mean, you come out, get the ball first, which I know all of us hated. Definitely would have liked to see the defense out there first, but Ohio State wins the toss. We start the uh, the game with the ball. And um, Katron gets you six yards on the first play. Girl, cool. Great. Then you come out and throw the ball two times in a row, two incompletions. That's, that's basically how the game went right there. Yeah. That's, well, that's all I you got to talk about. I, I mean, think, I, I just don't get it. I think, I think TK and I were talking on the phone at some point prior to this game, and, or, or maybe it was through text message, or maybe it was just in a group chat. I don't know. But either way, we talked a lot. I said exactly. I said at one <laughs> point that it was a big game for both coordinators. Um, yeah. And I thought Manny Diaz showed up. Uh, Mike Yersich was still in state college. Um, <laughs> how you had, I mean, like how you had three, basically three weeks, right? And who knows yeah. how much other planning beyond that. How you 
had that long to prepare for a game of this magnitude on this stage with this team and you come out with a game plan like that is baffling. How Nick Singleton and Catron Allen touched the ball 18 times in terms of <laughs> running is baffling. Holy shit. While you allowed your young quarterback who has shown that he struggles on the, on the road already to go back there and chuck it around. 42 times. 42, 42 times. times. Um, while you have a starting left guard who is young and inexperienced and made some mistakes and a right tackle who still underperforms and an offensive line who got pretty well ate up in the middle a lot yeah. of the day. Especially yeah, Olu, on, Olu struggled as well. Especially on, yeah, on, on pass pro, the whole line kind of struggled. And I know the running game wasn't like super great, even in those 18 carries, but it was just a, it just felt like an absolutely piss poor plan from the beginning. Well, they yeah. didn't let him get into any rhythm, talking about the running game. I mean, like I said, Catron comes out, runs the ball for six yards on the first play of the game, and his second touch isn't until near the end of the first quarter. Yeah. How does that happen? Two. I mean, your identity coming into this game was essentially three yards in a cloud of dust. That, that's what your offense was. You were pounding teams in, into the ground by getting three yards, three, four yards a pop. And you come into this game, and like you said, the running backs got 18 carries – and you make your sophomore quarterback in his first big game throw it 42 times. How the hell does that happen? Ohio. I, I, two, I just two don't get it, man. Real quick, num- number one, and this is for the whole episode, not just what we're talking about now. Number one, uh, nobody gives a shit uh, about Indiana. So we're not going to talk about the Indiana game because it's, it's <laughs> they suck. Yeah, I do have team. one thing and, to talk about the Indiana Penn State game. Penn is good, bro. Penn State can win that game by seven or 34. I really don't care. I just want to win and keep it pushing. That'll be my motto the rest of the way. Number two, before any of you respond to this when it comes out uh, in the mentions and say, man, TK is bitter about James Franklin blocking him, and that's where these comments come from. Number one, I don't give a shit about James Franklin's opinions about what I say. Number two, James Franklin doesn't give a shit about the opinions that I say. All right? So before we, let's, before we, get, before we get into this, let's get that out there. And if, if you respond and say he's bitter, you are trying to find some correlation to me being blocked to him underperforming. If you are going to that extent to defend this man who pretty much is embarrassing our fan base on, on social media across the board for 10 years straight, um, that's your problem. And, and that isn't my issue. So me being blocked doesn't mean that you're not a fucking pussy in the comments mentioning, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, Jesus, I was I was pretty brutal Saturday night. Uh, on yeah, the timeline. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, putting out a you were going put, off putting out a poll. You know, should should James Franklin <laughs> be fired? Putting out another poll. Should Mike Yersich be fired? Um, you know, and I still think, um, you know, I don't know if I necessarily feel that you know everybody should just be fired. How I felt. After that game Saturday, Bruce um, fire everyone. but Literally. but it was uh, you know it's just it's just so it just feels like it's just wash, rinse, and repeat. Um, it's 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 baffling. Um, it, it really 
doesn't make any sense. I mean, you look at James Franklin's, Franklin's background before he came to Penn State. It's all in the offense. He played quarterback. He was a wide receivers coach in the NFL, for Christ's sakes. He was offense coordinator at Maryland. Everything he's done up until this point, or up until the point of being a head coach, was on offense. And then you look at some of the hires that he's made while being here. On the defensive side, every single one has been fantastic. On the offensive side, it's been an absolute shit show. You've, you've got a couple guys right in there, um, you know, specifically speaking, Joe Moorhead, Jawan Sider, Phil Troutwine. But outside of that, I mean, it's been a lot of shit. And now there are, you know, Marquise Higgins, he's in his first year. But it's just for a guy that talks about, you know, the whole community being aligned and alignment, alignment, alignment. He, he, he gets up there and preaches that all the time. For a guy that talks about alignment as much as he does, it sure as shit seems like his offensive staff is not aligned. Because, I mean, we saw it with Hackenberg in uh, Franklin's first or second year. James it sucks. The offense absolutely sucks with a pro-style quarterback. You can tell his hands are way into this offense, yeah. and he needs to stop. He is not aligned. James Franklin speaks about aligned 365 days a year. He is not aligned with the people he's bringing in at OC. It makes no sense. Like, yeah, what, but- what, what they want the offense to be with the personnel we have makes no sense. It does not make sense for them to do that. It does not make sense for us to make a huge deal about Mike Yershitz being put up in the box because clearly it did absolutely fucking nothing for the game <laughs> that mattered. It makes no sense. You ask this kid to go into the shoe with – from in his home state, a game he was obviously super amped up for, a game that you said you had to use your identity, be Penn State football, run the football, short yardage, control the football, and you asked him to sling it 42 fucking times. That is that is <laughs> nothing, bro. That, and- that is that is unsafe. Penn State, we had 49 yards rushing. Nick Singleton had two carries for 35 yards at one point. Yeah, 49, 49 yards rushing, yards. and 42 of them were on three carries. From we Nick ran the ball, not including Drew's. Oh, it does include Drew's, I'm sorry, when he's running for his fucking life. We ran the ball 26 times as a predominantly run offense pretty much through whatever, seven weeks, seven games of the year. And Ohio State, who everyone knows has an all-worldly receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., Igbuka didn't play, Tate was running open. They ran it 41 times. Like, what? Like what? What was the the plan? Like you, what did you do for three weeks? And people are like, "Oh well, they prepared for this for three weeks." I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, not three weeks. That's incorrect." They've told us that they've been preparing for this game since season began. They've yeah. been working on this for six weeks. Hell, since the spring, even. So I'm not really understanding. And you can break down each play and be like, oh, well, you know, this was a lack of execution. You know, he didn't chip this guy. You know, oh, he was open. Oh, if he took a shot here, this could be a big play. Okay, well, none of that fucking happened. And we looked pedestrian on the biggest stage in probably the biggest game of Franklin's tenure since he's been here. And we looked absolutely fucking abysmal offensively. And yet again, the defense just keeps us in the game long enough to keep you interested. And then while they're doing that, while the defense is playing their heart out the entire game, you say, eh, fuck it. Let's go for it on fourth and four and at our own 38, and let's just see what happens. 
<laughs> with three timeouts in a one possession game. It was seven minutes. Yeah. One possession, seven minutes left, three timeouts. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, fourth and one earlier. Yeah, we had 12 people on the field. Whatever. Fuck it. Let's go for it here. Fuck it. Why not? Like, yeah. What's going through your fucking head? You know, like, I, 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 think, I think the problem, I think the biggest problem I have is, is, is I don't, and I think it's, and I've, and I've gotten a lot of pushback from, you know, the, the poll that I put out, um, you know, about firing James Franklin. Um, and, you know, 67% of you, you know, whoever voted said no. Um, we shouldn't, which, I was you know, those which, you know, five days re- removed, I probably agree. But the, the problem that I have, I think the most is, is the man and he did it yesterday after he was asked a question to give him the opportunity to do it. Shout out Ben Jones. Um, I never see him come post game and I see Dabo do it. I've seen Nick do it. I've seen all kinds of coaches do it, but right after the loss, I'm not talking two days later or a week later or during the off season. I'm talking right after a loss. This man comes out and says, we weren't prepared. I didn't have my team ready. It's all on me. Instead, we get a clip of drew that I repost and talk about the kid being absolutely gutted that goes ballistic in terms of viewership. We get a clip of Drew sitting there with tears in his eyes saying I sucked. That's what we see. We don't see a picture of James Franklin sitting there with tears in his eyes saying I couldn't I even sucked, watch that video saying I sucked. Right. We, we, we never see that. We get the great to elite speech. That was five years ago. May I remind everybody. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the most frustrating part. Meanwhile, and I know this fires TK up, so I'm going to bring it up. Meanwhile, he continues to ask for more and more (laughs) Let me just and more. And I'm not, hold on, then I'll let you go. Oh my God. (laughs) And, And I'm not saying that what he's asking for is not stuff that Penn State you know, us as fans need to do, right? Like, I'm all on board for supporting NIL. I'm all on board for getting the facilities for where they need to be. I get it, right? I, I'm I'm with him for that. But, it, but in the same time, and Audrey Snyder said it perfectly in her article, you ask all of this for 364 days, right? And on the 365th day, you give us a fucking clunker in Columbus and you score six points. And yes, I know they scored 12, but screw that garbage time touchdown. That didn't mean shit. Absolute garbage there 30, time. There was 30 seconds to go. That thing didn't mean nothing. Oh, going for two there too, James. Nice. So, Great. Yeah. So that, I think that is the part that frustrates all of us the most. Uh, it, it, at least the people that are frustrated, you cannot continue to ask for more and more and more and more and not give me something back. Right. Yeah. You know, it's two grand for this. It's twenty five bucks a month for that. It's buying a ten dollar beer that's state light because, you know, it supports NIL. The list goes on and on and on. And I'm not saying 
I'll ever stop doing those things because I won't because I love fucking Penn State. But give me something back. The least you can do is not get blown out every fucking time you go to Ann Arbor. Well, the then, least well, you I, can do. I mean, even beyond that, like just just give me just give me a win, right? Like just give me a big win that I can go online and talk shit to uh, some Buckeye fans for once, or you know, mit- I, I mean, I won't even count Michigan because we have beaten them, you know, more recently. But like, give me something, man. Like. Like, cool, like, we won the Rose Bowl last year. Like, yes, that was great. I was, I was excited about that. But give me, give me something that, ma- that, that matters to the fans a lot, and that is beating OSU. I mean, uh, you no. got to give me that. I, I will I, say I put, this. I put this on the Yeah, go ahead. Right after the game. Right after the game, this is the first thing that came to my head, and I'm going to read it for you. And some of these responses to this tweet are everything that is <laughs> wrong with this fan base. Just everything that is wrong with it. The tweet reads, I have never seen a coach ask for so much of a fan base, administration, and boosters while delivering absolutely nothing in return. Ask for more money, more investment, and for people to sit in the pissing rain an hour before game time to watch you guys stretch and go through warm-ups just for you to piss away the two biggest games on the year on a yearly basis. It's greedy and shameless, and the fans clearly deserve better. Also, your sits, your play sheet is comparable to a peewee football program littered with blind kids fighting over a candy bar. A complete embarrassment. <laughs> that, Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, the, it's spot on, though. The responses that I have gotten to this, one of these is Franklin consistently outperforms the investment from the university. We don't have a top 25 anything. And our coach consistently delivers top 10 results. I need someone to fucking tell me what you mean by top 10 results. What does that mean? Does that mean we go to the bowl game as, you know, 10th or 11th, beat um, a team that didn't make the playoff where they have a bunch of people sitting out and we finish top 10? Is that what you mean? Or do you mean the fact that he's pretty much three for a thousand against anyone with a pulse in the regular season? I'm not sure I'm understanding what top 10 results he's delivering. First off, I'm surprised this is coming from you for another reason. What do you mean? I've been saying this for fucking years about him. 10 and 2, almost better than anyone else in the CFB. What are you fucking talking about, man? Multiple teams go 10 and 2 every single year. Another one, I think Franklin and Yursich are the best coaches we could ask for. You've had better, and oh boy, better offensive coordinators than Yersich, but you can keep it pushing. What what else would you like for him to do with the current facilities and investment he's getting? What do you mean? What investment he's getting? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We just fucking redid the football building, and people around college football, around the country, Josh Pate even said that is a top-notch facility. That is a top five facility in the country, top ten maybe. So what are we talking about? We're not tw- we're not top twenty five. Are you talking about the fucking dorms? Because they're they're gonna start working on those here soon. Are we talking about the NIL? Because really nobody can get a clear answer on where the NIL ranks. We just know that we're behind. We shout don't know out how Morgan. far. Shout like what are we talking about? Morgan was just on the podcast. Shout out to him. I feel bad for our pet fans at Penn State. People that pour their hard-earned money into season tickets, donations, gear, etc. All that to be let down year over year. It's such a shame. We need more in the end result, plain and simple. That is the bottom 
line when it comes to James Franklin, brother. The absolute bottom line. You cannot ask for everything. And thank God there are people like Audrey or Ben Jones or fuck even Corey Geiger who also had a phenomenal question this past week. Like what? Like what? Why do you get to ask all of these things? underperform on the biggest stage in the biggest games in the games that we need as a program and the team needs on a yearly basis and then when someone's asked you a question Alex go ahead and give us what he says when you ask a tough question <laughs> well it's usually I'd really like to you know I'd really like to talk about that I appreciate the question it's a fair question but right now you know I'm solely focused on the next opponent and then and that week it's it's indiana so <laughs> i appreciate the question you know i think it's fair but i'm 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 not going to i'm not going to go big picture right now because we're focused on our next opponent <laughs> that's so fucking spot on Here you go. oh my god when asked about his 1 and 9 record against ohio state his response i don't want to address big p- picture questions and only want to talk about this loss great james that time at 4.12 in the afternoon after embarrassing yourself in the shoe, that would have been a good time for you while the kids are crying, which I'm sure you saw in the locker room unless you just walked to your little fucking office. You probably saw them crying, so that probably would have been a good time for you to say, you know, this loss is on me. Maybe not wait until Tuesday when you see it all over fucking social media and somebody has to pry it out of you and you're like, oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Are you actually glad they asked that question? Because I'm pretty sure that was the most open interview in 10 years of being here that he's ever done. Yeah. Well, you know, and I will go ahead, Alex. Well, I was was just going to say, and to be fair, before, you know, people start turning us off because, you know, you like Franklin and you support Franklin. I, I don't think any of us are saying that James Franklin hasn't taken our program to to the next level from where it was when he found it. Right. So, and what I mean by that, if, if James Franklin would leave tomorrow, the Penn state football program would be in a better spot than it was when he got it. Right. I think we would all agree with that. Yes. Yeah. But, but the, but the problem, you know, is, is becoming is, is, is going back to this and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you, you, you're asking for more, you're getting more, um, you've talked about alignment yourself more and more from the top down. Um, you said not that long ago that you're getting a lot more yeses for things than you used to get. Um, get just just give us something back, right? Like you, we we. I, I don't want to leave Ohio State games anymore, feeling like we were just completely out coached, and yeah. that's what it. And that's what it always feels like. And I had a comment made to me which is completely baffling because I've said 10 and two is Franklin's ceiling. The comment was made to me 10 and two might be Penn state's ceiling and not James Franklin's. Well, Mm. let me remind anybody that might have that notion. Okay. 2017, we had a double digit lead in the fourth quarter in the shoe and lost. Okay. And what were we ranked at that point? Well, you're ranked number two in the country. So Ohio State was a top 10 team. Shitty loss. You live with it. But the next week, we go to Michigan State and we lose to a team that we Michigan State. To a team that we should not have lost to. So there's one example. That team, in my opinion, should have been eleven and one. Twenty nineteen comes along. You go to Minnesota. 
you lose a game to Minnesota, who was a top 10 team at the program at the time, but you go to Minnesota and you lose that game. But the problem is, is you also lost to Ohio State that year as well. But the 2019 team probably should have been 11 and 1. 2018, how that team lost three games, I still don't know. But once again, you lost to a Michigan State team that you shouldn't have lost to at home this time. You lose to Ohio State at home this time, blowing another double-digit lead. And you got your ass kicked in Ann Arbor that year. So don't tell me that Penn State's ceiling is 10-2 and when in James Franklin's tenure, we've had at least three teams that probably should have been 11-1. and 17, 18, and 19. Yeah, so some our guy, our guy Todd asked this question, and this kind of plays right off of what we're talking about now. Um, he says, has James Franklin reached his peak at Penn State? And if so, what's next? First, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, he, might, he might have reached his peak. Um, I'm... I'm part of the fan base that voted no initially on fire Franklin. And the only reason, and you know, I'm just as frustrated as you guys or anybody else. that's pissed off with him. I'm extremely frustrated, tired of this shit, but at the same time, and it's, and it's not even a matter of, you know, who are we going to find that's better or anything like that. I just don't want to act hastily. We don't know who's going to be on the market. Sure, Penn State is a big program, but we're not going to go out there and steal a coach from one of these other giant schools. Penn State, where we and you know we do have the advantage of being on the East Coast, and there's a lot of talent around us. However, Penn State, the school in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and I sh- and I'm sure that probably offended a couple people, but let's be honest, we're in the middle of nowhere. Okay, Penn State in the middle of nowhere. It's three hours each direction to whatever city you want to go to. We are not proof of becoming the next Nebraska, becoming the next Texas, becoming the next, you know, name whatever school you want that fired a legend, you know, they're a legendary coach or a really good coach that they had for a long time. And we're, you know, kind of felt like they plateaued like we feel right now. I, Penn State is not proof of becoming one of those programs. Texas Jury's out if they're still if you know jury's still out if they're officially back they look like they are but it took them what 10 11 12 years to get to that point I'm not trying to sit through t- a decade of three four five six losses fuck that so while I am getting close <laughs> I'm not quite on board yet I mean um, but to answer it short <laughs> I I I do kind of think he's peaked at Penn State. And, you know, Jerry's yep. still, still out on that. Recruiting is still getting better. He Like he, like Alex mentioned, he just started to get more yeses than he did noes. So there will be improvements to the program anyway. Maybe. Maybe. You do. I mean, we'll see what we'll see. I said this past Sunday when, when we all talked, like, that my expectations for Penn State moving forward are going to just be 10-2. and two. And those are going to be my expectations because that's what he's proven to us he can do. He'll lose the two biggest games of the year, and he'll probably beat the shit out of everybody else. And yeah, I am. Um... Do I think that he's reached his ceiling? 
I mean, fuck. I mean, next year you play – what do you play? You play Ohio State. You play – Oregon at home. Oregon next year? Yeah. Oregon US, at home. USC away. So you lose all three of those, so 9-3 and three next year. I think Washington too, but Washington's going to be losing a ton. But it doesn't matter, bro. These are all – see, what Penn State fans fail to realize is – we 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 use that excuse. We say, well, they're all losing a lot. But it's like, yeah, well, these are all perennial top 15 teams, and he has shown absolutely zero ability to beat teams on a regular basis. So I don't care if it's at home. I don't care if it's on the road. He simply cannot do it. But I think he's reached his peak at Penn State. That's to be determined with the playoff expanding. We can probably look forward to uh, first-round exits from every single playoff. Um, the good news for us is it'll happen right in front of our fucking face in Happy Valley and not on the road. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with James. I think he probably has hit his ceiling. Is there a situation where Penn State can ask him to leave or he can get fired right now? Absolutely not. There is no way he can get fired. There's no way it would be smart for him to leave right now. But of course, the, the question begs, what's he going to do with Mike Yersich? Because something, something has happened to this offense as a whole. He's got to get rid of him, bro. Because the running backs do not – well, I shouldn't say the running backs. Singleton does not look the same. He looks like a completely different runner when he has the ball in his hand. Completely different. Katron Allen looks phenomenal. Drew Aller, I, I, I don't understand because watching tape on this kid out of high school is this kid was stretching the field, throwing the ball down, didn't care if it was in harm's way even at times, just letting it rip and getting after it. You so, got him running these fucking RPOs. Somehow we have turned – what was a what I guess you could call a gunslinger in high school to an extent we have owned the fact of turnover football and don't put the ball in harm's way so much that this kid's not even looking to take any sort of a shot down the field and it's like we are looking for check downs only it makes no sense and you can see watching the tape you can see watching the game it's like like what? What's the fucking point? Everybody, everybody's like, "Oh, well, the receivers aren't getting separation. We need better receivers." But, Both can be true, but even if they get separation, bro, he ain't throwing the bitch but, anyway. You know, it it, no. it begs the question. So let's let's just play hypothetical here. Let's say he fires Yersich at the and it, it's not going to be now. It's going to be at the end of the year, if he will. So if he you does, better. so if he does, um. Well, what I guess it begs the question: What's the what's the issue, right? Like, this is now that this would be number six, right? In ten years, his sixth yeah. different offensive coordinator. Why? It, he like, never. And I get it. And I get it. Like Joe Moorhead moved on and and took a head coaching opportunity. Totally yeah. understand that. Ricky Ronnie did the same thing, but. You know, then we had Kirk Soraka, and he never really even got a shot, right, in in an odd COVID year. And that's um, a burn bridge right there. And he was out the door immediately. Um, so, and then you bring in Mike, and and granted, while Mike had a good year last year with Sean, I think everybody would agree with that. Like, the offense was okay. Um, this was the guy that Mike handpicked to be his quarterback. Yep. And you're seeing the kid – really just struggle and 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 I know Drew's taken some criticism this week and and do I think Drew played well Saturday no obviously not because he didn't but I but I still just feel like his coaches are failing him 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't think the wide receiver group is good enough. I don't. So that obviously doesn't help. But I don't think these coaches, and I think it was a similar thing with Hackenberg, they're just failing him. They're not. Joel Klatt mentioned it after week one. The question will be for Drew Allard, can Penn State develop him in a way that he not, his arm talent is off the charts? So can Penn State develop him in a way that he starts to anticipate? He starts to read the field and see the throws. Well, we're in week seven. He's not anticipating. He's not reading the field like he probably should be. And that's concerning. Yeah, I um, I'm talking about the coordinators. It's been project after project. Like you mentioned, Joe Moorhead, great hire, great fit. Right. Went on to get a head coaching job, as he should have, as he deserved. Ricky right. Ronnie, really the same thing. He wasn't as good as Joe Mo, um, but it was a decent fit, and he ended up earning himself a head coaching job. I think the next best fit that you had, and you can look at what he's doing at Rutgers right now. Rutgers has a really, really good rushing offense. Guess what Penn State could be better in? Rushing the ball. And obviously, you know, we could be better at, at uh, throwing the football downfield, but Soraka uses he uses what is there for him. He knows what's working and he sticks with it. We should there is no reason why Katron Allen runs the ball for six yards on the first play of the game and doesn't touch it for 14 fucking minutes. There is no reason for Nick Singleton to come into the game, run the ball three times for 42 yards, and touch it six more times the rest of the game. Makes well, absolutely no sense. Well, and I Kirk think- Soraka was your best fit, and he gave him absolutely no fucking chance. And remember, yes, he kicked him out after 2020 because the whole year was shit, but he didn't get a fair shot. And guess he who he replaced wanted, him with? He also wanted Yersich. Yes, exactly. He wanted Yersich when he hired Soraka. Right. And it didn't work out for whatever reason then. And then but I but I will say this. Yersich opened back up and he fucking boots will, Soraka out the door. I'll I will stand say on it. I will say this too. We we need to figure out how to recruit wide receivers. Number one, and number we need two, to, we need to stick with a wide receiver coach. Number as well. two, we need to figure out how the hell to develop them. And we've had some right. Like I'm not trying to downplay what we we did with Dotson and Hamler and Godwin, and but when you're trying to compete against the team, you know, a couple hours west of you, it's it's rough, right? The, to, the problem is to recruit a wide receiver. But if we if we don't start recruiting people or wide receivers that we can then develop into true weapons, I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever be what other than what we are, right? We've like, only ever had one guy in the wide receiver room step up at a time we've and we and we've had these guys overlap we've had kj hamler with Jahan dotson we've had Jahan dotson with uh keandre lambert smith and um you know hell the offense in 2016 was stacked that's the best room you're gonna have but since then it's always one guy who's out who's actually dependable then after he leaves someone else steps up and so on so forth parker you can throw parker washington in there we need more than just one guy. And, hell, you look at Ohio State, they, they, they can go three deep on their bench and throw in a guy and have faith that he's going to produce. Yeah, I mean, when you, have the, when you have the rap sheet that Brian Hartline has, I mean, they just, they just they'll, they'll knock the door down to come play for you. 
Yeah. Is Amari Evans just like, like, is he just non-existent or like, why isn't Amari Evans getting burned? Why isn't Hayden Saunders getting more burned? Why right. is Ivor getting more burned? Why, why right. is he getting more like, like Keandre Lambert Smith has been fantastic. I mean, I think, I think James did open up a little bit more than he had on that uh, yesterday saying that they really like KLS and Trey Wallace, which I do too. I think they're, mm-hmm. they're your two best options, no doubt, at the moment, even though I did say bench KLS uh, the other day. Uh, yeah, you were, you were going crazy, bro. <laughs> uh, this probably wasn't one of my smarter comments. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, so those two, great, right? So you got those two. Where's everybody else? Is, is really the question, right? So you bring in Seafish, you bring in McLean. Seafish, uh, you know, this was revealing yesterday too because I don't usually look at snap counts that much. Seafish didn't play a whole hell of a lot in Columbus, the way it sounded. Um, McLean no. is still MIA. Um, we saw Saunders the last drive. He did some nice things on, you know, caught one of Drew's best throws of the game. Well, his best throw of the game, no doubt. The best throw um, So... You know, Liam Clifford, you know, we saw some cool things with him against, uh, I believe it was Iowa with the little middle screen. We haven't really seen anything like that. Illinois, too, that deep shot. Um, yeah, the deep shot in Illinois. That was great ball, too, by Drew there. Um, like Tyler said, uh, Amari Evans. Like, it's just, it's just very odd. And I know James said that nobody's separating themselves. Um, and, you you're know, not really I, giving them the fucking chance to well, either. I mean, well, no, no, no. Like he, he was saying like practice, right? So like nobody's even separating themselves in practice. So, so what's, what's the issue? Is it, is it the scheme that we're running? It doesn't fit what our guys do well. Is it the new wide receivers coach? Like, what, what's the problem? I mean, how many guys are in the room? Eight, nine. Yeah, bro. In my opinion, he's scared to sit some of these guys down. I mean, well, I mean, he's always hell, scared of that. Can, I mean, yeah, exactly. And you know, I feel I feel like that's a major issue with the with the receiving room right now. Dante Sevis has been absolute dog shit this year. Let's keep it a buck. He has not been good this year. Yet he continues to get reps, and he didn't get that many reps against Ohio State. And Dante, if for some reason that you're listening to this. This is nothing. I'm a Philly fan. This is nothing but criticism on you to try to motivate you to step it up. But he hasn't done shit this year. Why is he continuing to get snaps over a guy like like Caden Saunders, who, you know, caught two two balls on Saturday on 10 snaps and the only touchdown that the offense got? And, yeah, I know it was garbage time, but those were still tough catches for uh, Saunders to make. Like, I, I, I don't get it. Not playing Amari Evans was the talk of the town during camp I want to know why he isn't playing yeah that's what I want to know why they get they get him on the field and he's out there blocking yeah like what why is he on why is he not playing is Malik Maega ever gonna play like is he is he ever gonna do anything of stuff like he's gone like let's just let's just give it a beat like he's gone after this year he's a Cali Amari too yeah, like they're both probably gone, and rightfully so to both of them. Like they don't play. Like they they get so much juice in the offseason for whether it's their work ethic, worth work ethic, or their you know physical presence, or like whatever, or like black plays in camp, and then they don't play. 
you know, here's the other weird part. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the Lash building to see behind the scenes. Because there's just so much that we don't know, right? Um, which is fine. I probably wouldn't want to know. It probably pissed me off more. Um, but, you know, we talk about all these guys, right? We've, we've mentioned quite a few on offense. We've mentioned big names like Alar and Singleton not necessarily developing the way we would like to see them develop. And Singleton looking half of what he did last year, right? So we have all these struggles on offense. Meanwhile, other side of the ball, we have Dom DeLuca making tackles for losses in Columbus, <laughs> Uh, right yeah. like like and and <laughs> like ha- how like well, it's not like Nick Singleton wasn't highly recruited and an extremely talented athlete out of high school or Amari Evans or shit Liam Clifford right um yeah Liam went for how, 300 in a high school how game is Manny and that defensive staff getting so much from s- not just their stars Right. You want to know so, why, Alex? So many different people, but yet our offensive side of the ball can't seem to do that. It's because it's confusing as fuck. I'm telling I'm telling you right now, it's as simple as that. The playbook is confusing as hell. And I don't know if it's well, just I'm gonna it's tell just you your Yursich's playbook or gonna, if it's because I'm gonna, I'm gonna James Franklin has some input input in it. I don't get it. I'm I'm gonna cut you off. You may be right because I don't know the playbook, right? Um, but if, if their playbook is what they ran on Saturday, that's not confusing. It's just bad. It's just no, not good. Listen, my, it's confusing because the styles that they're teaching. I feel – and we all know James Franklin wants a running quarterback. He wants to run an RPO-style offense. Mike Yersich goes out and handpicks then, a pocket-passing quarterback. Why so is it's, he, a clash of, it's a clash this, of schemes. I mean, talking about the defensive side of the ball, you've heard it all season. These players sit down and have these interviews with Adam Brenneman and all these other I mean, press, with, with all these other press people, and they sit there and say, Manny's defense is easy to learn. Manny makes it so simple to come in and learn this defense and take off running. And it's and you can tell when they play. And then on the opposite side of the ball, on offense, just, dude, we're in week, we're going into week nine, and you still have dudes running the wrong routes miscommunications so, drew aller not on the not on the same timing dudes missing holes dudes missing blocks dudes not in the right scheme so it's, it's they're so clearly it's, confused so if it is true that james franklin wants a running quarterback and run an rpo style offense and he allowed mike yersich to go handpick drew aller and supposedly allow yersich to to mold him into whatever he wants to mold him into if the, if that is all true, and James still has his fingers in it, saying that we need to run an RPO style offense, that is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. That is I, I so, almost guarantee you that that's is what it beyond, is. That is beyond my comprehension. How a how a CEO basically of a multi million dollar college football program wants to run a certain style offense and then goes out and recruits a kid. That is the complete opposite of what you would run to run an RPO style offense. Well, look at our backup quarterback. If that look what is style tr- he is. Same class. If that is true, that is beyond absurd and a fireable offense. Just look at our backup quarterback, man. And that is that's a clash of style right there from our starter to our backup. I don't have any 
<clears throat> questions. As much as we've heard about Manny Diaz as a defensive coordinator or past two years, I don't have a single worry about anyone on that defense being developed to their best ability under Manny Diaz. Did Kalen King have an off Saturday? Yes. He had a bad Saturday. That's for sure. He's it's, going up against a really good wide receiver too. For sure, but also yeah. against Tate a couple of times. But Yeah, for sure. But I don't worry about those kids coming into practice every day, getting developed, getting pushed to their limits to be the best they can be. I'm watching this offense. I do not know what they are doing on a daily basis, and I clearly don't. I'm not at practice. I don't, I don't even think they know. But, brother, to what Alex just said and what Aaron just said, there is no world in which we are heading into week nine and kids don't know who to block, what route to run, the timing on the routes by the yards. They don't know these things. And they are so obvious that they don't know them that when it happens on Saturdays, it looks really bad. Like It, <laughs> it looks horrible. It looks bad. Like, like Drew Aller, who is a, a true sophomore on whatever starting game, his eighth start coming up, whatever. He's completing 61% of his passes. His average throw is six and a half. And he has 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions. That this this is just so insane to think about and to and to put in the universe. And, and I can't even imagine what it would be what would be said if this was brought up in an interview. I am I am begging Drew Aller to put the ball in harm's way this weekend. And push the ball down the field. If it gets intercepted, I don't care. I really don't care. I don't care if he throws three of the motherfuckers. I don't care. Please push the ball down the field. I do not care. One of the guys in our group chat said, hell, he might need to throw an interception. Just get that monkey off, the, no, off please, of his back. I, please throw a pick. Like, I, I can't believe it. it sounds so crazy to say, please. Like, I, I don't care if you throw it right to him. I don't give a shit. Like. Please, I am begging for this offense to do something in the passing game. Like anything, bro. Anything for a team like to look at the tape when they're about to play Penn State and be like, all right, yeah, they have two great running backs. They really do. But we also got to prepare for this passing attack. We have to. Like, I, I mean, it's weird. Like, even the, like, it's weird how it's changed. Cause even if you go back to this year, week one, right? Like, he, he took some risks. Like, I've mentioned it on this pod before. Like, he should have threw a pick week one. Um, yeah. You know, and he didn't. But he was – he was he threw a ball that he was forcing, right? And he trusted his arm to do so. And, you know, it almost got picked. But luckily for him, it was dropped. So you move on, right? And even if it was picked, it, it would have been fairly harmless because I think it was right near halftime. Um, so – like what what changed like did did we watch that film and did we make the kid scared did the kid get scared himself because he he doesn't want to throw a pick that bad yep. um it just it just feels like something has something has obviously changed Brother. that's what I, that's honestly what i think happened they probably sat down watched the film on sunday and your sage franklin who you know whoever it was that hell even uh o'brien uh the quarter the you know assistant quarterbacks coach or analyst whatever um, 
I, I'd almost bet you they're sitting there Sunday after West Virginia watching that tape and say, you, you, you can't do that. You can't, you can't, you but can't I mean, do that risk. You can't just, take that risk. It's just silly because like, and it went straight Brett, to his head. Brett Favre, you know, threw so many interceptions. It wasn't even funny, but he's sitting in the hall of fame. Yeah. Like, you know, every so, good quarterback for his pick. Bro, Penn state has the number one defense in the country. And I, I firmly believe it. Even after Saturday with Ohio State, I don't care. Penn State has the best defense in the country. You as a quarterback have to, and an offense, have to know that you have the best defense in the country. Like, you need to know that. If you get the ball at the 40 or the 45, bro, let your nuts fucking hang. If you throw a pick, it, it's, it is okay, bro. Like, they're not guaranteed points. This isn't the days where Penn State's defense is just a fucking sponge, and it's just people are just running right through the bits. Like the bend don't break. Like that, that it's fine, bro. Like they're gonna hold up. Like they're gonna keep you in the game. God forbid we've seen it for four years. They're gonna keep us in the games we don't even deserve to be in. Let yep. them do that. Like please let them. Like throw the like fuck. Thing, bro. Throw a fucking fade. Like like do something. Like, put the ball in the air beyond fucking six yards, please. Like, take so, a shot. Like, please. Going off of the style and all this stuff, we did, we did get a couple questions uh, from some people that listen to the podcast. Maybe a couple of new listeners haven't interacted with a couple of these people before. So, if you are listening to the show for the first time, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, Woody Barnett, he asked, will the offense ever work with a pro-style quarterback? And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out and say right now, no. As until James Franklin, and I wholeheartedly believe James Franklin has his hands in this offense, and that's why they're so fucking confused. Because again, I think his style and Mike Yurcich's style clash a lot. If James Franklin and you know, obviously I don't know. I'm not a fly on the wall, I'm not there, I'm not in the meetings, but it feels like James Franklin has his hands in this offense. And if that's the case. We will not see a pro-style quarterback work out in this offense until he takes his hands out. Brother, James Franklin is making every single OC he brings in conform to what he wants to do and then firing them for the personnel they've put together not working with him conforming them to what he wants to do. <laughs> he is quite literally firing them because what he wants to do is not working. Like, I don't understand. I, I simply don't. You are running an RPO offense with with a kid who has no intentions of running the ball. Like, 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 there, you can see it when there's an RPO. When he puts his arm out to hand the ball off, nobody's worried about him. Nobody's fucking staying home. Nobody gives a shit about that. Like, well, maybe you should pull it down. And then half the time, half the time, right? He goes to hand off, pulls it back for the quick hitter on the backside on the slant. And we have a tight end pulling all the way across the line of scrimmage and he doesn't get there in time and he gets sacked. Like, oh God. like what, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. Like how is Theo Johnson's ass getting all the way across the line of scrimmage to chip JTT? Like what? Spe like, he's speaking unlocked. of that play, speaking of that play as the head coach, even the offensive coordinator, because I'm sure you guys haven't given Drew Aller the, you know, the reins 
or, or enough of the reins yet to change plays at the line of scrimmage or even flip plays at the line of scrimmage. No, he just said, call, he's just walking up and calling out blitzes. He said he's done that every game. Well, then I don't know how the fuck you go out there with that play, see JTT on the side that your tight end is pulling to, and say, yeah, this is the play. That that one man single-handedly won the game for Ohio State last year. Like, <laughs> I don't get it, man. I don't. I. Ugh. Also, the this inter- offense gives me a fucking aneurysm. As we talked about before, the interior offensive line is is not great. Like, it's not great. Like, it's it's just simply not. Like, and, sorry. And Alex pointed out earlier, like Wallace, like please, <laughs> like move on. <laughs> I, I mean, for fuck's sake, man! I, I can't keep watching it. I, I, I can't keep watching that. Like, this guy's like thirty years old. Like, like, can, can we get some? Can we get somebody in there just as a fresh face? Like, if he gets beat, like he stole some, I really don't care. Can we just get someone else in there, please? Like, it's, it's tough to watch. Like, it really is. I don't understand. Like I don't understand, and and they have some great kids up and coming in the program, or five stars at some of these positions. That's exciting to watch, but I mean, holy shit, man! Like, look who you play. Like, what you play in Maryland? That game's gonna be stressful. It's just a fucking nightmare situation. And then Michigan, who does have a great defense, if they're able to play their games, obviously that's a different conversation. But like, this is gonna be a problem. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand what when when they're at practice, like what makes you say this guy's the starter? Like when an interview interviewee, I don't remember who it was, mentioned Cephas in the uh, press conference. He was like, yeah, he's a starter. And he was like, what do you mean he was a starter? And he's like, he's on the starting receiver. He was as far as he was like, well, he wasn't. And then James goes, well, if you're saying he wasn't in the first formation we put out on the field. Yeah, he might not have been out there, but he's the starter. Yes. And he was like, well, he had like four snaps. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? He's like, he had four snaps the entire game. Like, Caden Saunders had more like, than him, if that's the case. Like, bro, do you not know where the fuck you're at? Like, are you, like, are you dense? Are, are you, are you not aware of your surroundings that you're the head football coach and you're saying someone's the starting wide receiver and, he, he got four snaps. Even though he's not starting. <laughs> like, are you are you aware of that? Are you aware that most people with a fucking brain don't punt or don't go for it on fourth and four from your own 39 with seven minutes left and three timeouts down by seven? Like, where, like, where, where do you live? Like, wh- like, where, where is your brain? And then at the end of the year, we'll get the, yeah, you know, I my wife tells me that I might be a little underappreciated here. Like, underappreciated? Brother, you make $9 million a year to do asinine things every Saturday. And you're underappreciated? <laughs> Are you serious, Clark? $9 million a year for that. $9 million a year to take zero responsibility until Tuesday for the first time all year when the offense has had extreme question marks for weeks and the fan base kept saying well we control the ball and what did we what actually fuck it what did i say i said what happens 
when you can't control the ball, you're not picking up first down after first down, and you have to have some chunk plays, and you do get behind. It's like, well, we don't know. Well, now you fucking know. We are one yep. on third down. Offense looked absolutely fucking abysmal. Defense kept hanging in, hanging in, hanging in. And then you said a big fuck you to them and gave them a the ball at the 38. You know, TK, you had mentioned, um, you know, taking those shots, trusting your defense, because obviously, you know, whatever happens, it's not going to lead to points. <laughs> well, apparently to the staff, James Franklin, whoever it is, um, calling those shots, quote unquote, is doing exactly what we should not have done, which is go for it on fourth and three on our own 38. Because, right. yeah, uh, that's absolutely showing trust in your defense. But that's the wrong fucking time to do that, man. Two plays. Two plays, right? One of them is a massive play. The second one, I need an explanation. Number one, Hardy has been phenomenal on punt return, obviously. He had good. Him not catching the ball at the 45 was a huge blow. Yeah. In the game. That was a massive play, and it rolled down to the 25. That was huge. He knew it. He ran off the field as soon as the ball went past him because he knew he fucked up. And he won't make that mistake again. That's a learning experience for him. Number two, I don't know why you went for two at the end of the game. I really don't care that you went for two. (laughs) But I need a fucking explanation on not only this two-point conversion play, but he ran that exact same play left side of the field earlier in the game. I want to know why Keandre Lambert-Smith is okay to throw the ball down the field and take a shot, but the starting quarterback is not. That's (laughs) right. Why is that the case? That's a good point. Why why are you throwing a wide receiver pass on the four yard line? Yeah. What there's there's a lot that did not make sense on Saturday. And you know, we'll continue to question it for as long as he'll be a coach. I'm sure there will be plenty of other games where we're gonna question a lot of the decisions that he makes. Um, certainly not the last one. So Damn, that's embarrassing. I, that's sad. Like, listen to what you just yeah. said. That's, that's insane. It is. It is. On and I'm fucking tired of it. People give him so many excuses, bro. Like, it's yeah. like Sunday. Sunday is like all hell's breaking loose. Saturday afternoon and Sunday are all hell's breaking loose. I hate him. I want him fired. That's what everybody says. I want him gone. There's no more excuses. He, has, he loses big games. He's never going to win them. I want him gone. Someone else could do the bare minimum. Things like that, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, yeah, I fucking hate him. What I can't wait to hear what he says on Tuesday. Tuesday, press conference. Yeah, well, you know, he said it's on him, and, you know, we probably couldn't find anyone better. So, I mean, we got to, you know, maybe we have a shot at Michigan. Like, that's this fan base. That's how fast. you Like, that's how fast we go from, like, being critical of the head coach for never being able to win the game to then saying that they could probably beat the number one team in the country at home. Like, where do you get there? Like, how do you ride his nuts while you get constant disappointment every single year? And then here in two weeks when Michigan comes to Penn State, it's like, we got a shot. It's like, in in what world? Like, it <laughs> riddle me that. What? Where is Penn State shot against Michigan with James Franklin at the helm? Is it a fake field goal when you're up 3 nothing against a team that's also much better than you? Is it a fake punt? against a team who's much better than you at home and you end up losing? There's there's nothing logical behind it. It's literally just the matter of games need to be played. Anything can happen any Saturday, blah, blah, blah. Which, yes, I am a proponent of that as well. But let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. I don't see it happening, man. Like, with brother, the way that that offense looked, 
and the way Michigan's defense looks. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I know they haven't played anybody this year, really. But, oh, boy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, <clears throat> if you think for some reason or if your mindset for Penn State football going into this, this game with Michigan here in a couple of weeks, or Maryland, honestly, you can't skip over Maryland the way that looks right now either. Um, like, if you think it's any given Saturday, like, if that's, if that's your mindset going into this Michigan game and that's the one thing you're holding on to going into that, just don't watch the game. Like throw that shit out the fucking window. Like if you're if you're like any given Saturday, Penn State can do it. We're gonna shock the world. It's like, bro, we've been saying we're gonna shock the world for about nine years at Ohio State. Just keep shit in drafts. Like don't even hit send on that. Yeah. Now I will say, um, Alex mentioned earlier. You know, <laughs> we need something out of him, and you know, we all know the record against you know, top 10 opponents or top 15 or whatever it exactly is. I'm, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but it's fucking bad. And then obviously the record against Ohio State. TK had put in our group chat the other day, uh, the last 10 games record against Ohio State for each Big Ten team. Guess who leads that list? Fucking Purdue. So And, and everybody else on that list. Pur- Purdue leads that and is three and seven in the last 10 against Ohio State. Everybody else, two wins or less. And I think there's two teams that have two wins. Michigan's two don't count since they cheated. <laughs> but, I mean, it just goes to show you how how hard it is to beat Ohio State. I'm not even – like, yes, obviously, you want to beat Ohio State more than once in a decade. But at least show me you can beat a top 10, 15 team on the road because you've barely even done that. So let's let's accomplish that before we're talking about – before we start talking about beating Ohio State numerous times in a decade, because we can't even beat a top 15 team on the road, unless it's a bowl game where people are sitting out. The definition of insanity (laughs) is doing the same thing over and over and hoping (laughs) for a different result. And for the last seven years, because 2016 happened, But for the last seven years, we have done the same thing after playing Ohio State. And every year following, we get our hopes up. We get excited. We put our fucking clown masks on. We expect a different result. Always a clown mask. And at the end of the day, we're all just fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty tough tough to beat there. It's a tough pill to swallow. Move on. Can we please, like, we got to move on to the next topic. Like, I don't want to smack. Like, I don't want to break my computer. Yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're we're well over an hour. Let's, you know, let's let's switch up a little bit. I know we, we talked about, you know, we weren't going to talk about Indiana at all. And we really aren't. But I do have one thing I want to mention. Penn State is four and five in the nine years that James Franklin has been here. Four and five coming off of our first loss. Now, we do have the leisure of playing a Indiana team that's not very good this year. We're 31 and a half point favorites. How do you see that game playing out? Is Penn State going to come out and dominate or is it going to be more more of the, oh, boy, this is this is not good. Do not. And I said it earlier, like, like, just win, really. Like, that's what I said. Just win and keep it pushing. But, bro, don't let this game be 
don't let this game be ugly, man. Like I, I'm telling you, like don't don't lay an egg for an entire half against Indiana. Oh, it's gonna be brutal if if that happens. I'm telling you, man. This like you guys think it's like everybody's like, man, he's really going through it. Like Franklin's really going through it. Your is really getting scrutinized. Just wait, man. These next two weeks, like don't don't jump to the Michigan game, man. I'm telling you, man. If Indiana or Maryland get weird, it's gonna get so fucking nasty in this Penn State community, bro. Like, there's gonna be nowhere to hide because if there's one thing that Penn State fans can all rejoice on and all agree with. That losing to anyone outside of uh, Ohio State or Michigan is completely unacceptable. That is completely peace with. So if one of those is testy or maybe a little uncomfortable, it's going to get nasty for us for sure. I'll put out another poll, see how it changes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Also, <clears throat> just to put it on record, if he is to lose um, to Michigan or I'm um, sorry, not Michigan, Maryland or Indiana, I want him fired. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be the last straw for me. I want all of them fired, except the DC. That would be that would be Maryland's if if Maryland beats Penn State, that would be Maryland's fourth win all time against Penn State. Yep. Three of them would have be would be against James Franklin. Yep, he would be fired. That alone, right there, is a fireable offense. We would be, so don't let it happen. We would be calling that rule and saying, "Hey, man, there's no reason to talk about Penn State in your press conferences anymore. Why don't you just come?" Come coach here. Oh, dude, I don't know if I'd want Matt Rule. And I know everybody loves the idea. You know, he, he played at Penn State and all that stuff. But look at his track record. He's a builder just like James Franklin. Oh, well. I want Mike Elko. Yeah. It wouldn't be bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see this game first quarter being being slow. Um, but I, 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 see. I hope – it becomes a blowout, but I just want to see how the offense responds. Yeah. Um, what is they were they were pretty bad Saturday, and that's putting it nicely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, just to see how how Drew and this offense responds, I think will be uh will be key to to know how this game's going to go. Can we get a hundred yard rusher? Please, God, what's it been since Delaware? Yeah, like, can we get one or no? Like, is that Appar- just- apparently not? Because we're because we'll just give him the ball five times and say, oh, "All right, your day's done." Like, is that just like a like was that like a twenty twenty question only or or twenty twenty one or or what? Like, are we just we're back to being cool with that now? Like, our identities, our identity now is to just let the nineteen year old throw it forty two times. Is that what we are? Like, or are we gonna like use? You know what we thought coming into the year was one of the best uh, running back rooms in the country, and then for some reason the guy from Minnesota, Trey Potts, looks like he has the best burst out of all of them. Is that is what like what are we? What is the identity now? Yeah, you didn't run T formation on Saturday. You, I, I, I just don't get it, man. Anyway, um, you know, keys to the game, score predictions. Don't give a fuck. Just win. Let's move on to Week Nine. Pick them. All right. Got a huge matchup this weekend: Oregon at Utah. Once again, pack two Pac-12 teams in another major matchup. Feels like there's one or two of them every week. Um, this is a really, really interesting game. Who do you got? Um, I'll go first, I guess. Um, Utah coming off their uh, emotional 
a big win against um, what can only be deemed their sons at this point. Oh, boy. Uh, USC. And uh, <laughs> Lincoln Riley's bailing. Caleb Williams is going to sit the rest of the year and go to the NFL. Um, <laughs> USC's in turmoil. Anyway, um, I'm thinking I'm going to take Oregon. Although uh, that Utah defense is pretty stout. And shout out to that offensive coordinator for uh, putting together a hell of a game plan against USC uh, with basically backups. Yeah. um, I'm taking Oregon as well. Lock of the week this week is um, Oregon over Utah. Hopefully Oregon can avenge a record uh, with Washington. Uh, By the way, the record is now seven and two. Um, following uh, Tennessee blowing their their lead against Alabama. So I will be taking Oregon as the lock of the week to beat the Utah Utes. I think Utah's a dog shit football program. So, <laughs> I, TK, how can you still say that at this point, bro? <laughs> I will continue to say it because we completely slutted them out in their own state. I don't care. Okay, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> I'm this, – this really is interesting because Utah's defense – has the ability to keep them in any game. <laughs> Hell, has the ability to win them any game. But Oregon's defense is solid as well, and, you know, everybody knows about Oregon's offense. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to pick Utah only because I don't think last week was a huge emotional, you know, mountain of them to climb. I mean, Alex, like you said, they beat them twice last year. I mean, at this point <laughs> – is it really that huge of a win for him? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to pick Utah there. Um, <clears throat> boy, there really isn't many great games this weekend outside of that. Um, let's go to the SEC. Can, uh, Tennessee travels to Kentucky. Oh. Who do we got there? That's a, a, that's a three and a half point spread. Yeah, this is a huge game for uh, <clears throat> Tennessee to bounce back. And honestly, Kentucky too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, last time I picked against Kentucky, I looked like an idiot. Um, man, that's tough. It is. Will this Levis, is a really tough one. Will Levis getting his first start in the NFL too. What a what a week. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't Tennessee bounce back win. TK. Uh, I like Tennessee as well. Yeah, I I think I'm leading Tennessee's way also. Last time they took a loss, they bounced back in a really nice way. Um, however, the scores the past few weeks have been declining and declining, and they just took another loss. I don't know. Um, defense travels. Tennessee's got a really good defense. They can get after the quarterback. I'm going to go with Tennessee here. Um, Jesus, man. What feels like for the fourth time this year, um, we're going to bring in a Duke game. Shout out Duke, man. <laughs> They're actually relevant this year. It's, it's fun. Um, shout out Mike Elko, Alex's choice for hire. Um, Duke Dude, goes to let's, let's talk about Let's talk about Mike Elko for a minute because hopefully he's the future coach of the Pennsylvania State University Nittany Lions. Um, <laughs> but he has done such a good job there. It's crazy. You know, they beat Clemson. 
and, I, and yes, I know everyone's going to say, well, Clemson's not that good. Well, let, let's go play him and see. <laughs> um, so they beat Clemson, right? They take Notre Dame to the brink. And if it wasn't for Sam Hartman picking up, what, a fourth and 23 or whatever, they would have beaten Notre Dame. They played Florida State really well. It is just ridiculously impressive what he has done at Duke and Anybody saying, well, they don't play anybody because they're in the ACC is is full of shit and, you know, just doesn't watch football. Um, but, yeah, so I just I just really like Mike Elko. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I feel I feel like Alex is picking Duke here then. Who do they? I didn't even hear you say who they played. Louisville on the road. Ew. Uh No, I'm going to go. Is Leonard like healthy and back? I don't know. He was he was iffy for last week, so it makes me think he's going to be available this week, but I haven't seen anything about it. Yeah, I'll take Duke. Uh, I'm taking Louisville. I think Louisville is underrated. I like Louisville. Yeah, they're a solid team this year. Brown. They are favored by four and a half, too. I mean, it helps me at home, which really means they think this is an even game. Um, all right, boys, last but not least, do we want to do a Big Ten game or a Big Twelve game? Um, let's do a Big Ten game, bro. All right. Yeah, we haven't done many of them this year. The only really close good matchup that I can find, and uh, there's there's another one too, but this is the closest spread: Purdue at Nebraska, two and a half point spread. That means they think Purdue is the better team. Playing in Memorial Stadium is not easy. Um. Nebraska. Okay. I don't think Purdue's very good. TK? Oh, man. I mean, Nebraska's not either. I think <laughs> Just to be clear. It was bad. Uh, I'll take, I'll take, uh, Alex, who'd you pick? I uh, took the Cornhuskers. Nice. I'll be taking Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> dick. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the home team here. Literally only because it's a home game. So I don't really have much of a thought about this game. I think both teams are dog shit. Um, but, yeah, go with the home team here. Like I said, Memorial Stadium is not an easy place to play. One other thing I want to mention about this week. It is a big game for Florida and Georgia. I mean, it is a, it's a huge rivalry game. But, you know, truth be told, we, we know I think all of us are on the Bulldogs there. But the spread is 14 and a half without Brock Bowers. Does Florida cover that? Uh, I do not think so. I'm kind of on the fence about that. Do you think you think they do? I, I think <laughs> I think if they do cover the spread, it'll be a 14 point loss. I, I'm right there on the fence. So. I mean, if, if that's the way that I'm thinking, I'm going to say no. But I would not be surprised if they lose by, like, 13 or 14. Alex, do they cover? Um, no, they don't cover. <laughs> All three of us are on it. That means they will. Yeah, so bet accordingly. You should hammer, hammer Florida to cover it. And uh, another uh, – just a side note, if you are a betting person and you're taking my advice on it, that's probably a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, let me share some <clears throat> some 
a tough truth for me here. <laughs> there was, you know, the lock of the week is great. Obviously, pretty good performance so far this year. Um, on on the actual betting, however, um, it's been pretty fucking abysmal, boys. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's. I I can't I can't express enough. If I bet on a college football team at this moment, it's guaranteed for whatever I bet the opposite to happen. Bro, you got to listen to the Ramen Noodle Express. Shout out Josh Pate. I just don't bet because I get stressed out enough, and if I had money on it, I'd get more stressed out. So, See, I just bet just, minimal money. Not a good idea. No, I dude, bet minimal money, two, so I don't even care. Even if I had $2, I'd be annoyed. <laughs> Yeah, I put money on the Phillies to win the other day, and that uh, that obviously didn't go so well. So, pretty pissed about that. Yep. Not gonna bring that up. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's the last we're gonna. I'm surprised TK hasn't mentioned it at all. Anyway, anything else you guys want to mention? Uh, yeah, James Franklin, if you're uh, listening, I would appreciate if you learned how to win a big game. Yeah, um, James, I uh, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I just uh, I'm not really fucking with you right now, if I'm honest. Um, it's only because he blocked you. I mean, you kind of pissed me off. <laughs> the used car salesman jokes are kind of funny. Like somebody told me, like in a space yesterday, that you're kind of like the Kirk Cousins of coaches. That's kind of hitting. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna. You know, you're obviously never going to fucking listen to this, but <laughs> speaking directly to you, man, I need you to give me some fucking help, man. Like, I'm getting ripped apart on this app, and it's because- <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm I'm in the trenches taking grenades for your fucking ass right now. <laughs> like, you help me, bro. I, yeah. I- Help me. You, you think your James? You know you think your job's hard and stressful, and you know you think your seat's hot. You know, I back fuckers book you. You you have no idea what TK goes through on a regular basis. Exactly. I am like I could put out a tweet right now, James, as I'm shit, <laughs> and it would get ten bookmarks of them back and State football being horrible. Like, yeah. I need you, man. Like, I, like I don't want to hate you. But I, I need you to do something about this. Like, if you fire someone, that counts too. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm all bored on that. But, like, I need you to win something. I need you to do something. Oh, oh and there is, there is one thing I want to say to wrap all of this up. For the fans that, you know, take myself or TK or Aaron or anybody for that matter who are critical – of the program, of the coach, of, you know, maybe even a certain player. For those that come in and and then say, your negativity is harmful to the whole Penn State community and you should, you would be welcome to go root for somebody else. Okay, jackass. I'm only critical of Penn State and its coaches and maybe a player or two, although I try not to do that too often because I love the program that much. And as a fan who spends money, my money that I work to get 
to go watch said program, I think I have a right to be at least a little bit critical. Am I pretending to be the, the, the god of, of college football knowledge? No, of course not. But I'm a passionate fan that wants to you know, reap the rewards of feeling that euphoria of winning, right? The, the, the feeling I felt after 2016. Yep. So when I'm critical, it does not mean that I just suddenly root for Penn State to fail or James Franklin to fail. But Nor are you waiting for it? Right. Um, you know, it's just it's 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 a it's a weird comment to me, I guess. Um, so anyway, that's my last sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you, you with those type of comments that, you know, we've all received all three of us before. I mean, you can easily tell who in the fan base is a Philadelphia fan and who isn't. And, I, and I'm saying that as a joke, but it's also true. <laughs> like, yeah, kind of. And, and TK, you say all the time you hate Philadelphia fans. Dude, you'd fit fucking perfectly into the fan base. I'm hey, just bro, saying. I know this is, <clears throat> this is a little soon, and this might get edited. Oh, Jesus, here we go. This might get edited out. Yeah, this is definitely getting cut out. But I mean, the Phillies, like... <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there was a time for the Phillies to lift up the state of Pennsylvania in a time of need, and they just fucking shit on it. Like, they just, I mean, unreal. I mean, possibly the most boring World Series matchup of all time, the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. I will not watch a single pitch of that fucking series. Nothing. That is going to be horrible to watch. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm going to say about it. Yeah, Alex. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I have, when, I have no, I have a lot of comments on it, but none were none worthwhile. When when Bryce Harper misses a 96 mile an hour center cut fastball with two on in the bottom of the seventh, you knew it was over. So you knew it was over when he pulled up in that damn Pat Bev jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah. The not, the one. The one franchise in the city that loses every single big game in the playoffs. That's the team you decide to rock walking into the stadium on game seven. Ugh. Obviously, that had no effect on the outcome. But Jesus, man. Talk about an omen. Good Lord. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Nittany Pod slash Phillies Pod. Appreciate you all tuning in. Take care. Go Birds. That's disgusting that it ended. <laughs> <laughs> well, the birds do play Washington. <laughs> Wait, what? what? When? Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Nah, I can't do this again, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This team is horrible.